and welcome back to another episode of the Dunkel Index Podcast. I'm Ben Dunkel, and here with me is a guy whose path to the playoffs is more complicated now, but not impossible. That's my dad, Bob Dunkel. Uh, yeah, Ben, do you, are they taking three lost teams? If they are, I, I think I still have a shot. But uh, boy, after that Georgia pick last week, I don't know. I'm probably facing elimination right now. Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not the index's finest moment there between the hedges, uh, taking Georgia minus the 24 and a half. Didn't exactly play out quite like we thought, but it's the beauty of the college game. You, you never know. And it was a great win for South Carolina, probably the highlight of the weekend. Will Muschamp definitely needed that one. It's been a while since the Gamecocks had anything to crow about. So they've got to be feeling pretty good. And uh, they've got another biggie this weekend, which I think uh, we'll talk about here in our 10 to talk about. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and get started with that. Uh, South Carolina is flying high right now, and they've got Florida coming in. Uh, Florida's six and one overall this year. They're four and three against the spread, number eight in the index. South Carolina's three and three overall, four and two against the spread, and number forty-five in the index now. The line here is Florida by six, uh, but can South Carolina keep the momentum going? Well, you know, first with the Gators, uh, you know, hats off. Uh, they played extremely well in Tiger Stadium, as as we pointed out last week. That's one of the more hostile environments, if not the most hostile environment to go into. And kind of played out a little differently than we had thought. Um, you know, we expected more of a defensive struggle, expected the Gator defense to kind of assert itself. Uh, but there's no slowing down Joe Burrow and that Tiger offense. But to Florida's credit, Kyle Trask showed that he was up for the moment and played very well, uh, completing 23 of 39 for 310 yards and three TDs. So he kept him in the game until late. He did throw a pick there in the end zone that kind of sealed the deal for the Tigers. But but there was no shame in Florida's loss uh, at LSU. Uh, but, you know, as we talked about in the beginning, uh USC, the other USC, South Carolina, was uh, the talk of college football on Saturday with their 2017 win over Georgia. You know, the usually reliable Jake Fromm was pestered all day and forced into four turnovers. Uh, Three picks by, and I love this name, Israel Mukwamu, including a pick six. And they kept Georgia's vaunted rushing attack uh, to just 173 yards after they came in averaging 250. So it was the Gamecocks' first win over a top 25 team since 2014. Certainly the signature win for Will Muschamp since he's taken over. Um, And he has a chance to do it again this weekend against his old Florida Gator team. Boy, wouldn't that be delicious for Muschamp if he could pull off back-to-backers against the Bulldogs and uh, the Gators. And the index thinks they've got a, a legitimate shot here. Um, Florida's just 2-7 and seven against the spread in their last nine games following a loss. So they have stumbled um, coming off of uh, a, a poor performance. And South Carolina's 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six following a win. So this seems to be trending um, in the right direction for the Gamecocks. As you said, Ben, the line is Florida by six. The Dunkel Index has the margin at Florida by three and a half. So we like the Gators plus the points 
uh, or pardon me, we like the Gamecocks plus the points in Columbia. Yes, I was going to say. Yes. Um, so moving on to our next game, we've got the number one team. It's Clemson at Louisville. Clemson six and zero now overall, four and two against the spread, and as I said, number one in the index. Louisville's four and two overall, four and two against the spread, and number ninety one in the index. Uh, Clemson's got another big line here. It's uh, Clemson by twenty three and a half. What do you think? Yeah, always big lines with Clemson these days, and you know Dabo had a chance to kind of shut up the critics last week, uh, even though they came in undefeated. Uh, you know, we had been picking at him a little bit for, for some of the poor performances, relatively poor performances from Trevor Lawrence and, and the Clemson offense. But there was no poor performance uh, against your Seminoles, Ben, who seems to be able to uh, make teams well these days. Uh, Lawrence threw for three TDs, and two of them were to Justin Ross, who was last year's hero in the championship game and had gotten off to a slow start this year. And Travis Etienne, their uh, star running back, had 127 yards on the ground. So all the cylinders were clicking uh, for the Tigers in their 45-14 to 14 win. Uh, Louisville uh, definitely continuing uh, to be a surprise this year after a 2-10 and 10 season that uh, was just a disaster and finally ran Bobby Petrino out of town. Um, Scott Satterfield has done a great job in turning this program around. Uh, kind of highlighted last week with a good old-fashioned shootout against Wake Forest. Uh, the Cardinals ended up winning that one 62-59. to So no defense was played. In fact, it was the second most points scored in an ACC game since Pitt and Syracuse put up uh, a 76-61 to 61, uh, game back in 2016. So, uh, you know, this is... Uh, Louisville's first win uh, over a top 25 team since Teddy Bridgewater beat West Virginia back in 2011. So definitely trending in the right direction right now for Louisville, but a different animal between Wake Forest and Clemson, uh, even at home. Uh, Clemson is 7-1 against the spread in its last eight road games, and Louisville is just 5-17 against the spread in its last 22 games against a team with a winning record. Uh, while they were able to handle the undefeated Demon Deacons, uh, the undefeated Tigers look to have too much on this one. Uh, the Vegas line has Clemson by 23 and a half. The Dunkel Index says this margin should be 35. So uh, the index is taking Clemson minus the 23 and a half, and the Tigers continue to roll. All right. Uh, next up, we have LSU at Mississippi State. LSU 6-0 and overall, 4-2 and against the spread, and number 6 in the index. Mississippi's 3-3 and overall, 2-4 and against the spread, and number 25 in the index. The line here is LSU by 18. What do you think? Yeah, speaking of rolling, and you know, never easy to go into Starkville, and certainly lane 18 is a big number, but boy, the Tigers are rolling, and you know, last week, was uh, supposed to be kind of a reality check for their offense, which had just been putting up huge numbers, but really hadn't done it against top-flight competition, uh, although you know they did do it against Texas in Week 2, but Texas's defense has been suspect. So going up against the Gator D was, was really their first test, and they passed it with flying colors. Um, 
you know, Florida had came in leading the nation in, in picks and was leading the SEC in sacks, and they had neither uh, against LSU. And when you give Joe Burrow that kind of time, um, he is definitely going to shred you. And the LSU offense put up 511 yards and over 40 points on a, on a really good Gator D. Uh, the Bulldogs uh, offense is just the opposite right now. I mean, we're talking about back in the Stone Age, their quarterback, Tommy Stevens, who transferred from Penn State, um, really looked bad last week, completing only six of 11 for 67 yards and two two picks. And they put Garrett Schrader in in the second half, and, and he didn't do much better. And Mississippi finds a way to do what – what few teams uh, other than Chattanooga had done this year, and that's lose to Tennessee. So they they made the folks in Rocky Top feel good for a week, but boy, down there in Starkville, they are not feeling good about Joe Moorhead's team right now. So LSU comes into this one with a 12-4 and record against the spread in their last 16 SEC games. So uh, conference games definitely have brought out the best in the Tigers lately, and Mississippi State's just 3-9. and nine against the spread in their last 12 against LSU. So this has not been typically a good matchup for the Bulldogs. And we see that continuing this week. The Vegas line has LSU by 18. The Dunkel index margin is at 21. So even on the road with the cowbells ringing, uh, we think the Tigers are going to come away with a win here and cover the 18. Okay. Next up is two teams you probably didn't expect us to talk about. It's Temple at SMU. Temple's 5-2 and two overall this year, 4-2 and two against the spread, and number 56 in the index. SMU's 6-0 and oh overall, 5-1 and one against the spread, and number 43 in the index. The line here is the Mustangs by 7.5. What do you think? Yeah, what's this? Temple and SMU, actually a game to talk about. And we're, we're not talking about the bottom five games. We're talking about top 10 this week. Uh, I'm going to go old school on you, Ben, which I know you love when I go old school. Um, but you got to go back to 1982 when Eric Dickerson and Craig James were in the backfield of the Pony Express uh, at SMU, the last time SMU started out 6-0. and So, of course, we all remember that after the 86 season, uh, the death penalty was handed down on the Mustangs, and they took a two-year hiatus, and it totally killed the program. Uh, they've had a tough time coming back. So that's why this game is noteworthy. Sonny Dykes has uh, the Mustangs playing well right now. They're coming off a bye week, but just before the bye, they made a dramatic three-touchdown deficit uh, evaporate, finally beat Tulsa in triple overtime, 43-37. to 37. So it marked the fifth straight time that uh, the Mustangs have put up at least 41 points and uh, the quarterback Shane Bouchelle who uh, transferred from Texas really looks to have ignited the offense there in, uh, in Dallas um, for Temple. Uh, they also had a great win uh, last week. They upset Memphis 30 to 28 and uh, Rod Carey's Owls uh, found a way now to beat two ranked teams. Uh, they beat Maryland early in the season, although that game doesn't look quite as good. Uh, as time has passed, the Terps have definitely fallen. But back then they were ranked and then you know, coming off this win against the Tigers. So 
two teams that uh, look to be uh, a little bit on the rise here uh, unexpectedly. Uh, Temple comes in 10-4 and four against the spread in their last 14 road games. And SMU, uh, despite uh, the improvement, just 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10 games after scoring more than 40 points. So on this one, uh, the Mustangs are a seven and a half point favorite at home, but we uh, we like Temple in this one. The Dunkel Index margin has this game that's uh, the SMU favored by three and a half. So the Owls have been a little more accustomed to playing big games of late, and we think that experience will serve them well. We have uh, the Owls plus the points. I think I can say go Birds for that one, right? Absolutely. And, and Owls if you're in birds. Philly. You're talking about a Philly team that has any kind of feathers. Go Birds is appropriate. All right. Cool. Better uh, than Hootie Who Owls. Yeah. No. Hootie what? Um, <laughs> next up, we have a battle for the Pacific Northwest. It's Oregon at Washington. Oregon is 5-1 and one overall, 3-3 three and three against the spread, and number 11 in the index. Washington's 5-2 and two overall, 5-2 and two against the spread, and number 16 in the index. The line on this one is U of O by two and a half. What do you think? Yeah, you know, even though Oregon was four and one coming into last week's game against Colorado, I think we were kind of waiting to see the Ducks flex some of that old offensive muscle, and they did in a big way uh, against the Buffs. Forty-five to three cakewalk. Justin Herbert threw for two hundred and sixty-one yards and two D TDs and. Uh, their running back, Cyrus Habibi Likio, uh, who, when we last saw him against Cal, was tackling a uh, spectator running on the field. Well, he did more than tackle. He he scored three TDs. So Oregon's 3-0 and in conference play for the first time since 2013. And as we said last week, really is the last best hope for the Pac-12 to get a team into the playoff this year. And they certainly uh, improved their standing with that performance against Colorado last week. Um, the Huskies have been very up and down last week, being an up week for them. Uh, a lot of people circled that their game at Arizona as kind of a trap game, especially coming off their poor performance against Stanford, 23-13 loss where the offense just couldn't get going. But boy, they shut down the Wildcats last week. Jacob Eason, uh, went back to his earlier form and had 243 yards and two TDs. Um, so the offense was clicking, especially in the second half, and they shut down the Wildcats as well. So they come away with a 51-27 victory. So it sets up a tricky game for Oregon coming uh, into Seattle, but they are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six game, six road games against the Huskies. So they have done well on the road uh, against UW. And Washington just 4-9 against the spread in their last uh, 13 Pac-12 games. So as you mentioned, Ben, the Vegas line has Oregon favored by two and a half. The Dunkel Index margin has Oregon favored by five. So we think uh, the Ducks continue to fly high following the Colorado game and survive in Seattle with a win and a cover. All right. Now let's address the elephant-sized bulldog in the room uh, as we talk about <laughs> Kentucky at Georgia. Kentucky's 3-3 three and three overall this year, 4-2 and two against the spread, and number 35 in the index. 
UGA is five and one now overall, three and three against the spread. Uh, still number seven in the index, though. The Vegas line here is Georgia by twenty-five. What do you think? Yeah, elephant-sized bulldog is right. I mean, that is like Dumbo of the bulldogs. Uh, boy, that that was bad. Um, and very surprising. I mean, Jake Fromm, who's been nothing if not uh, consistent. Uh, through his first pick after 111 straight passes uh, through five games without one, uh, through not only one, but through three. And he also had a fumble. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, their uber-reliable kicker, uh, who hadn't missed a field goal all season, misses two uh, against the Gamecocks, including the one that would have tied it in the uh, second overtime from 42 yards out. So all that added up to a team that not only covered a 24 and a half point line, but lost straight up. Uh, Kentucky, uh, you know, it's been a tough year. They lost their quarterback, Terry Wilson, in week one. And Stoops' team has had a tough time finding a replacement. And they kind of went outside the box a little bit last week. They put in Lynn Bowden, uh, their star receiver at quarterback. I don't think he'd play QB since high school. But he responded and delivered a win for Kentucky, snapping their three-game losing streak. They beat Arkansas 24-20, and Bowden didn't do it so much through the air. He only threw for 78 yards, but he had 196 yards on the ground. So uh, that was a Wildcat offense for the Wildcats uh, last week. Made perfect sense. So... On this one, coming in, Kentucky 6-0 and against the spread in their last six after gaining more than 200 yards in the previous game. And Bowden, with 196, almost did that all by himself. And Georgia, uh, between the hedges last week, wasn't a recent aberration. The fact that Bulldogs are just 1-4 against the spread in their last five home games. So what's this add up to? Georgia coming in as a 25-point favorite. We've seen that number before, uh, like last week. I don't think we're going to bite on it this time. Uh, the Dunkel Index margin has uh, Georgia favored by only 18 and a half. Um, Wildcats are challenged on offense, no doubt about it. But I think there's a little bit of a hangover here for Georgia coming off that disappointing loss last week that really put their playoff hopes uh, on hold for the moment. I don't want to say finished, but uh, they're going to need a lot of things to break their way. So we're going to take Kentucky plus the 25 points in this one. All right. All right. This next game is definitely triggering some PTSD. It's FSU at Wake Forest. FSU's three and three overall this year, two and three against the spread and a yet again, spooky 66 in the index. Wake Forest is five and one overall, two and three against the spread, and number thirty-two in the index. Wake Forest is unsurprisingly favored by two in this one. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Ben, uh, just in in your honor, I'm going to keep Florida State at sixty-six for the remainder of the season, um, even even if they happen to move off that spot. Yeah, no, it seems to be very befitting the ghosts and goblins that seem to be circling around. Uh, the stadium right now, which, uh, by the way, have you seen the uh, Bobby Bowden two-hour documentary on ESPN? It's kind of very good, very good, very reminiscent of uh, of the great years at FSU, and it's got to be horrible timing for Willie Taggart. 
Is it like a 30 for 30? Not it's I, I don't think it's a 30 for 30, but it's yeah, 30 for 30 esque. Okay, uh, I haven't seen that. You know, oh, oh, for the day when all FSU had to worry about were a few shanked field goals. Um, you know, last week, uh, I think as you and I both had predicted, uh, the quarterback combo of Blackman and Hornbrook uh, did not produce a victory. Uh, they lose 45 to 14 to Clemson, which was slightly better than uh, the previous year's 59 to 10 trouncing in Tallahassee. So there was some improvement, but uh, man, it's a far cry uh, from when Florida State Clemson uh, was the real game in the ACC. And uh, Hornbrook and, and Blackman both threw picks in, in the first half. And when you didn't have any quarterback play uh, to speak of, uh, that allowed the Tiger defense to focus on Cam Akers, their, their running back, and they shut him down, had only 34 yards on nine carries. So another disappointing loss for Florida State. But good news is they could be hitting the Demon Deacons at the right time. As we talked about in the Louisville game, uh, the Deacons put up a lot of points, but boy, they gave up a lot, 62 uh, they really couldn't stop Louisville at all. And the game was not as close as it looked in the end. Um, in fact, with just over six minutes left, Wake was trailing 52 to 31. And they, they made a mad run there, but it never really looked like they were going to be able to pull it out. So FSU comes into this one with a 3-1-1 one one against spread record in their last five conference games. Not a ton, but for FSU, it's about all they can hang their hat on right now. But maybe more importantly, Wake has not been very good at home lately, 4-9 against the spread in their last 13 home games. So this one has a slight favorite uh, in Vegas of Wake Forest by two. Uh, but we actually think Florida State uh, can stay within that, if not win this one or outright. The Dunkel Index margin has this game even. So... The Knowles have been able to move the ball this year. That's one thing they've been able to do. And with Wake's defense uh, having trouble stopping Louisville last week, we think the Seminoles can take advantage. And uh, we're going to take uh, Florida State plus the two and keep fingers crossed that they can actually pull out a road win here. All right, let's just move along. Yeah, moving right along. Nothing, Nothing to see happened. here, though. All right, Michigan <laughs> at Penn State. Michigan's five and one overall this year, two and four against the spread, and number eighteen in the index. Penn State six and zero overall, four and two against the spread, and number five in the index. The line on this one is Penn State by nine. What do you see? Yeah, let's get to a real college football game, right? <laughs> nothing like Michigan Penn State. So, uh, you know, this one looks good again. Uh, although, you know, the Wolverines last week. Looked like they were well on their way to a big win over Illinois and, you know, probably feeling pretty good about themselves coming in. And then they allowed a four touchdown lead to evaporate, got down to as, as small as three points over the Illini. Boy, that would have really shook up Ann Arbor if somehow Illinois found a way to win that game. But they ended up pulling away in the end and, and did win 42 to 25. But uh, it was a roller coaster ride for Harbaugh's team. Nittany Lions, uh, one of the games that we talked about last week, we knew was going to be tough uh, going into Iowa. It was tough. Uh, 
Hawkeye's defense was everything that we anticipated it would be. Uh, but to Penn State's credit, they found a way to squeak out a 17 to 12 win. Um, and Sean Clifford, you know, didn't have a great game at quarterback, but he did find a way to pick up a big first down late in their game winning drive. So uh, that was a good win. Uh, wasn't wasn't sexy 17 12, but uh, but solid win against a very good Iowa defense. So on this one, we, we see Michigan coming in with just a one and six record against the spread in their last seven following a win. Penn State's four and one against the spread in their last five home games versus the Wolverines. So the uh, Vegas line has Penn State by nine. The Dunkel Index margin actually has Penn State favored by double digits. We've got uh, the Lions by 12. So uh, even in its win against Illinois, Michigan looked vulnerable and we don't see them being a match for Penn State's defense in this one. Uh, the Nittany Lions win at home and cover the nine. Okay, so our ninth game this week features one of our favorite teams to fade. It's Tennessee at Alabama. Tennessee's two and four overall, two and four against the spread, and number ninety in the index. Alabama is six and zero overall, three and three against the spread, and number three in the index. The line on this one is all the way up to 34 and a half in favor of Alabama. What do you think? I couldn't fade them last week against Mississippi State, although the index did. And uh, we got bitten on that one. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's defense, which I think everybody in Knoxville had been waiting for that defense to start to look like uh, the defenses that he coached at Alabama and FSU, uh, really did step up. Uh, granted, Mississippi State has had trouble moving the ball, but uh, they shut down the SEC's leading rusher, Kylan Hill, held him to only 13 yards on 11 carries and intercepted three bulldog passes. So, you know, they lost their quarterback, uh, Brian Maurer, pretty early in the game with a concussion. And uh, Jared Garantano, who was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season, filled in pretty capably, and it added up to a 2010 win for the Volunteers, much needed win for, for Jeremy Pruitt's team. Uh, another week, another Alabama win, another, another record book, uh, game for Tua. He, uh, passed AJ McCarron for career TD passes. I don't know what records are left for Tua to break, but he did break that one last week. And he finished with four TDs on the, on the day and now has an FBS best, uh, 27 TDs on the season and 81 in his career. So, just continues to put up big numbers. Um, as we uh, thought, the index thought uh, Alabama went into College Station, had little trouble handling Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. They won 47 to 28. So, you know, Tennessee's fans may be feeling a little more hopeful about this one than they did two weeks ago, but we don't see that hope lasting long. Tennessee comes in with a one and seven record against the spread in their last eight following a win. So it's been hard for the balls to carry over the momentum. And Bama is uh, an impressive 11-3-1 against the spread in their last 15 against the Volunteers. So they have had Tennessee's number, even when Tennessee's had good teams in the past. This one, uh, Vegas uh, has this game at a 34-and-a-half point line. That seems a little low, although getting closer to where uh, Dunkel's margin and the Dunkel index margin is 38 and a half. 
So we're going to take Bama here to uh, burst the bubble of uh, the volunteers uh, yet again. And uh, the tide rolls to a win and covers the spread. Okay. So that brings us to our final game this week. It's Arizona at USC, the real USC. Arizona's four and two overall, two and three against the spread, and number fifty nine in the index. USC's three and three overall, also three and three against the spread, and they're number twenty nine in the index. The line in this one is USC by nine and a half. What do you think? Well, they they may be the real USC in some people's minds, but a three and three and number twenty nine in the index, I don't think that's the real USC. The real USC usually posts better records than that by by this point. Um, another loss last week for the Trojans, although respectable, uh, thirty to twenty seven to the Fighting Irish, but respectable wins aren't aren't what the Trojans are usually about. Uh, Keaton Slovis came back. We you know we talked about the revolving door at quarterbacks uh, due to injuries. Slovis came back and. Struggled as we we figured he would out of the gate, but de- definitely clicked in the second half, completing 14 of 18 passes for 180 yards and two TDs, and that put USC right back in the game and and at least kept the Fighting Irish from covering on that line. But uh, USC is now one in four in uh, five games under Coach Clay Helton against Notre Dame, which is not uh, the kind of record folks out in LA are used to seeing. Um, for Arizona, as we talked about a little bit in the Washington game, disappointing loss for the Wildcats. They came in with a four-game winning streak, and I think a lot of people had that game circled as definitely an upset, but didn't happen, and uh, Washington found a way to put the wraps on Arizona's star quarterback, Khalil Tate, who has done it as much uh, on his feet as he has with his arm. But he uh, was held to minus 28 yards rushing by the Huskies defense. So tough game uh, for Arizona coming off that home loss, heading to USC. They're 0-5 in their last five games against the spread, following a double-digit loss at home. And USC is 5-1 against the spread in its last six games against the Wildcats. So this one, Vegas has this one pegged at a USC by nine and a half points. The Dunkel index margin has this at, in double digits, uh, USC by 13 and a half. So we don't see a respectable loss here for USC. We see a win, a win and a cover for the Trojans uh, against a Wildcat team that just looked overmatched against uh, Washington. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our 10 to talk about for week eight of the college football season. Um, As of the last episode of the podcast, we are now on Apple Podcasts. So if you listen on there, go ahead and give us a follow if that's a thing. Rate us, review us, uh, whatever you guys want to do would be awesome. We're also on Spotify and Anchor and a couple other places as well as Twitter, at Dunkle Index, and, of course, our website, dunkleindex.com. Anything else you want to say this week? Yeah, we've got um, all the FBS and FCS uh, games posted for this week. And, uh, of course, we've got a lot going on uh, in the other sports as well. Uh, We're wrapping up the NBA preseason. Uh, We'll have picks through the remainder of that. And then, of course, the regular season starts up next week. So, Looking forward to getting back on the hardwood 
Uh, NHL is in full swing. Uh, we had the night off tonight in baseball, rain out up there in New York, but we'll uh, stay with the Major League Baseball season right up through the World Series. So, yeah, come visit us at dunkleindex.com for all your sports picks, and thanks for, uh, for tuning in. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. All right, we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Okay, th- thanks, Ben. See you next week.